Good to see everybody. Everybody doing good? Everybody happy? Amen? Well, I'm, I'm excited to share the Word with you tonight. We're going to look at a lot of verses. So, man, if, you're, if you've got your Bible, get ready. Uh, and uh, we're going to just kind of let the Word of God speak to us tonight. As you can see, we're going to talk about finding fresh vision for your future. I want to just introduce it by just saying uh, we may be here for a few Wednesday nights. Uh, and, uh, because we're at a place as a, as a church. I don't know if this is, uh, where you are personally, but hopefully because we're at this place as a church, that maybe this is where you might want to catch a hold of your own, in your own personal life because you're a part of the church and we're part of the body of Christ. We're about to be 20 years old. Uh, man, that sounds old as a church, kind of, but young, really. Uh, but when you've been here for all of it, it all of it, it seems like it, or pretty much all of it, uh, we got here about eight months after Pastor Ron birthed the church. Uh, and so we've been here pretty much for the entire time. Uh, and uh, just kind of a quick, quick for you that may not know, Beverly and I were pastoring Church on the Rock in Quitman, Texas. Anybody ever been to Quitman, Texas? Uh, you have been to Quitman. Awesome. And so my kids uh, grew up there. Uh, Josh got a ticket there on one of his first times to ever get there at the square late at night. It adjusted his attitude seriously, or he had an attitude issue. <laughs> and uh, so he's been to Quitman, uh, and we go back because we have the lake house. But uh, man, it, that's where we I began full-time ministry, and then Pastor Ron, 20 years ago basically, called us and said, hey, we have two churches up here, and uh, I need you to pastor one. I said, well, I'm pastoring one. And I told him I'd pray about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, when p- people say they'll pray about it, normally that's, that's Christianese code for not in my lifetime. It ain't happening. Uh, because we had it pretty easy uh, there in Quitman. Uh, but you know, when you start really praying about something, God begins to speak. And so, uh, we were very comfortable where we were. Uh, but God has a way of, uh, uh kind of rocking the app, the comfort apple cart. Uh, if you have, remember the illustration of the eagle, how he makes the, little eaglets, or how she makes the eaglets more uncomfortable in the nest until they're ready to get kicked out of the nest. So so we moved here 19 plus years ago, and the rest they say is history. Uh, in fact, just on a personal level, the little house we moved into 19 years ago, we became our rent house, and uh, most of you know that for the past three and a half months, we've been completely remodeling it. We took it back in May and began the demo work. And so Beverly and I spent our first night in our new, re- newly renovated home. It's still got a few little things we're working on, but uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to be there. And so we come full circle. Uh, and so, uh, but it's, I think when you come full circle and you get to come some milestone moments, it's important to, to reassess the vision and direction of your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You look at your life and you know, we talked a few weeks ago about defining moments and how those defining moments come sometimes because of pressure points, sometimes because of just the way life is. Uh, defining moments come. And so we're at a defining moment in our church, a, new, a time for us to choose to press forward. How many of you know if you don't press forward, you'll get pushed back? Nothing's, nothing's easy in life, it seems, right? Anybody found everything just to be peaches and cream and apple pie? No, it, it's a press. 
And so, as we move to the 20-year anniversary, I've, I'm recommitting myself to a fresh vision for the future. And really, we've out of our prayer time, I'm just rehearsing and remembering things for you. Out of our prayer time, a few weeks back, when we talked about let us pray. Everyone say, let us pray. It wasn't just a series. It was a hope and a prayer that we would just really begin to pray over our future as we move to this defining moment. And uh, as we prayed, God gave us, as a church family, some fresh vision and direction for our future. And really, a, a vision statement, if you will, a, a, a directive, a fourfold directive. And here it is. We're called to what? Gather. We're called to grow. We're called to... And we're called to... Those four things gather together. This is what, this is the call of God on our life. And our prayer is, and if you want to pray for your church family, uh, you would, you could pray for your church family that, that they as well as you would catch the spirit and the priority and the importance of, of the local church. In fact, last Sunday, OMG, if you missed last Sunday, we looked at Hebrews 11, forsake not the assembling together as the manner of some is. Uh, if you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go get online and listen or even watch. I don't know if it's video yet, but you can listen online uh, because the priority of, of, of gathering is becoming more important day by day. Are you with me? Say amen. So we're called to gather and we're called to grow, grow spiritually. And that's the goal. And, and so everything we do as a church family, we talked about this in leadership. Now everything we do at, at church, it has to have one or more of these four tenets attached to it in a very strong way. Are we growing spiritually? Are we gathering together and building relationships? Are, are we growing spiritually? And the number three, we're called to give. Uh, in fact, uh, not just give of our money and resources. That's huge. And because we can't do it. How many of you, how many of you can live without money? Anybody here, you don't need money? Anybody not need any money? I'll take your money if you don't need your money. We all need money to live, right? The church needs resources uh, to, to live and to grow and prosper. But it's not just money. It's time, treasure, and talents. We give of who we are. We give of our money. That's kind of the beginning ground. We give of who we are and what God has gift, gifted us in. And, and we, that's who we are. We're givers. Everybody say we're givers. You see, as uh, in the world, uh, we're, we were takers. And, and the world would take from us and we would, uh, everybody's trying to get all you can and can the rest. But when you get in God's kingdom and God's economy, you're a giver. Uh, amen. We should to be givers. And I encourage you to do this. I did this last week. You know, even about kids going to school, you know, it's kind of expensive for some parents. You know, be a giver. Find somebody that needs a little help with her with their kids' school and, and help them out with clothes or whatever. Be givers. That's who we are. We're called to give uh, and then we're called to go. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go out and, and win people to Christ. And so, you know, today, yesterday when I just, I thought, man, I got a little inroad with this guy. And buddy, he was so sweet, but he just said thanks, but no thanks. But how many of you know there's two kinds of people in the world? The yes people and the no people. Don't let the no people keep you from the yes people. Anybody ever been in sales? Anybody in sales here? You 
you understand sale. You know there's no people. You know there's people going to say no. Beverly and I are looking for some pieces of furniture. Uh, and so, man, the furniture salesman, uh, they've learned not to be too pressury, but they used to be pressury. But they know, you know, uh, there's not everybody going to be a yes person. Everybody walks through the door is not going to, to buy something. Uh, but some people will. And that's the positive side of sales. There's going to be some yes people. It's the same way with, with going in all the world. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more fulfilling than to find somebody who says yes to you and yes to the invitation and yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we've got fresh vision for our church. Uh, and, and we need fresh vision for our own lives. And, and, and I'm endeavoring to do that. So we're going to talk for the next few Wednesday nights about finding fresh vision for your future. Or maybe you could just say fine tuning the vision of God for your life. How, wherever you are, you may be directionless. You may be, you may have some real direction, but you just need a little fine tuning. You need some clarity in some areas. I think the next few Wednesday nights are going to be great for you. Uh, and so with that in mind, let's ask God to open our eyes to see what he has for us to see. You want to do that tonight? Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes tonight, our spiritual eyes to see what you have for us to see and to know what you would have for us to know and to hear what you would have for us to hear tonight in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Tonight, I want to begin by giving you, I'll call them two legendary vision Verses, two legendary vision verses before any of them pop up. Could anybody guess at least one of them? Vision verses, verses in the scripture that have to do with vision. Anybody think of one? Maybe they're not so legendary. Uh, if that's the, anybody want to guess? Well, it's two semi-legendary vision verses. After tonight, they should be legendary in your book. Here's the first one. Proverbs 29, 18. Without a vision, the people what? Perish. Now, how many of you say, oh yeah, I remember that now. Okay. Uh, in fact, let's, this is the first part of a verse. It really should say 29, 18a. But let's all say it out loud together so it'll become legendary in your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people perish. Let me break that down for you just a little bit so you'll understand. Vision really is prophetic revelation where God speaks to you prophetically and begins to give direction in your life. Uh, in fact, uh, this people perish, uh, though I don't have it as a note, it means this, without prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraint and as a result, they perish. In other words, uh, prophetic declaration, prophetic direction, God direction in your life keeps you on track and keeps you restrained and in guidance and governance into God's purpose and plan for your life, but without prophetic direction in your life. You see, you don't just go the way you feel. Let me just tell you, don't just go the way you feel. If you go the way you feel, how many of you know one day you'd feel like you loved your wife and the next day you wouldn't? You know, my wife is so glad I, I, I don't love her because I feel like I love her because some days there's no feeling, but it's a fact. I love my wife. Uh, how many of you know, you know, we don't go with our feelings. We go with what we know in our hearts, what God is speaking to us. So without a vision, without a prophetic directive and revelation in your life about your life, 
And listen, if you don't have a prophetic unction in your life about the future, man, you're in the right place tonight. God has a plan for our life. And it's not just to sit, soak, and sour. It's not just to survive. It's not just to go through the motions. It's not just to, you know, to punch the time clock and come to the end and go, well, I made it to the end. It's about fulfilling the will of God for your life. Man, somebody say amen. I think and about Acts 16.9, the Macedonian call. There's a lot of illustrations, but uh, we don't need to turn there. But, uh, you know, the apostles were, were trying to figure out which way to go as far as the evangelization of the world. And in fact, one place they wanted to go that said the Spirit forbid them to go. Spirit said, Mm-mm-mm. let me stop and just say, have you ever, have you ever sensed in your heart God's divine, you know what I'm talking about? You're just heading in a direction, all of a sudden, you just hear, something in you just cringes. You think, oh, that might be the Holy Ghost. Amen. You, you want to buy the new car and spend, you know, get yourself hocked up to your eyeballs and you just go, oh, I, I, there's nothing wrong with new cars. I'm just saying, but in case your, your flesh got a hold of you and all of a sudden you're about to sign, don't do that. That's God's directive in our life. And then, for example, when I was praying about, Beverly and I were praying about leaving the comfort of equipment. And I'm telling you, we were comfortable in equipment. If I gave you a tour and showed you a little house we were living, this was before the lake house, when we, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, when we first came there and then we just, man, the little house where we first moved and then went to the lake house. You know, if I showed you our little, how wonderful it was in equipment, uh, and uh, it took you a tour on Lake Fork. You'd go, what on earth did you were you thinking about moving from there to here? Well, when I was praying over it, when I wasn't praying about it, I would get grieved. And I would think, oh, I don't know. But when I began to pray, I would get prophetic anointing in my life. I would get the divine okie-dokie in my life. I got prophetic revelation. And now I, because we obeyed the prophetic revelation, I have five wonderful grandkids. Uh, Josh, aren't you glad? Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad I heard the Lord? Amen. And so, uh, so that's what we're talking about. And so we need vision. Where there is no vision, everyone say it. Without a vision, the people perish. Now, here, here's the, the reality that a lot of people are blinded to God's purpose and plan for their life. And they have their phones on and texts come in and make funny noises and they don't turn their phones off. Sorry about that. People are living lives like this. Stumbling in the darkness without prophetic revelation. Have you ever, have you ever thought about, let's just blindfold ourselves and try to walk through the house. It's kind of tough, isn't it? In fact, last night, it's the first time I slept in this house. So I got up in the middle of the night, uh, just because that's what old men do. And it was really dark. And I said, I know it's there somewhere. Finally, I just said, oh, get my phone, shine the flashlight, here we go. Uh, you ever thought about driving the car blindfolded? How stupid and ridiculous is that? Yet we live life just like we're driving the car blindfolded. 
So as believers, we need His prophetic revelation. And so, man, I'm praying we find fresh vision for our future. I hope that's the case with you. So there's legendary vision verse number one. It needs to become legendary in your life and be a mantra of your life. Man, I've got to have the vision of God or I'm going to perish. If I don't get vision from, from my for my life and my family, uh, you know, God's plan and purpose is undermined and I perish. Legendary verse number two is a, in a, in a very unknown book called Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. If you haven't read Habakkuk, you should read Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2 2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. In other words, it's important when you get the vision of God to log it down and remember what God said. And so so that vision can propel you into your future. Somebody say a better amen. Those are two huge legendary verses. And so I just remember even recently when we began to when I you know God just speaks to me in interesting ways. I when I when I'm in fact, this morning, I just, as I'm typing and, and sending emails and stuff, God just speaks to me. And as we were praying a few weeks ago and, and that, that, those four, uh, you know, uh, uh, tenets of, of our purpose, we're called to, uh, gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give, and we're called to go just, just fell out of the atmosphere. I'm just fell out of the head. I didn't hammer it. It just fell into my lap and I went, Oh my gosh, there it is. I, that could be, that could, that is, that's, hey, we're praying for, you know, in this defining moment and God speaks. So what did I do? I wrote it down. And now you know what we're in the middle of? We're making it plain on tablets. We're, we're trying to get it in you and it become, you know, on the tablet of your heart. The scripture says, write my word on the tablet of your heart that, that, that word can, 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 can propel you into the destiny of God for your life. Whew! Now I got, I got y'all fired up. Now y'all are really looking fired up. Turn around and look at somebody and say, you know, this is so powerful. I'm in awe. And so that's why I'm not shouting pastor down. I mean, come on. Y'all are looking at me a little funny tonight, but, uh, I'm pretty excited about the future and I'm 60 years old. And, and if God, hey, is really good to me, I'm in my last third of my life. My last trimester of my life. And I'm pretty excited about it. So some of you young people ought to be really jazzed about your future. Amen. We got, we got Carmen and Donnie over here engaged. They're about a year away from saying I do. They got a future and a hope. Amen. God, hey, hallelujah. And so this is huge for them as well. Uh, and so those are two huge legendary vision verses that we all need to embrace in our life and begin to incorporate in our life. Now, now that I've got you a little pumped up tonight, I, I'm, I'm going, this is going to sound a little negative, but how many of you know you got to deal with those blindfolds in life? You see, some people are trying to find their way, but they're blindfolded by certain things. They're blinded by certain issues. And when you Google blinded and short-sighted and blindness, you'll see that God uses, talks about this from a spiritual standpoint. And there's a lot of what I'm defining tonight as visionary blindfolds that we many times we have, we may not know we have, and they're, and, and they're, and they're 
pretty tough. I mean, and so some of them, uh, you'll just say, nah, that ain't me, that ain't me, and then I'm going to hit you one, and you're going to go, oh, maybe that is me. Maybe that's that that area of my life. And so with that in mind, we're going to talk about some visionary blindfolds. In fact, I have seven of them tonight. Uh, but let me give you kind of a foundation for this this thought. Vision is restricted or released based upon the attitudes of our heart. I'm going to build on this at the end. Vision, prophetic direction in your life, is restricted or released based upon the attitude of our heart. The way we think, our attitudes, the way we think, determines what we see or can't see. Think about that. In fact, I'm reminded of, and I may mention it again, uh, of we talked in Second Kings seven a few weeks ago. You remember about Samaria being surrounded by the Syrians, and there was the prophecy came tomorrow this time a loaf of bread will sell for a quarter, just like it did. And and there was an officer there of the king that in the city that was surrounded. You know it was so bad. Remember, I said it's so bad, and you say how bad was it? It was so bad. There was cannibalism of their children going on, and it was bad. They were eating dung poop, selling it for big bucks. People were starving, and the prophecy comes tomorrow, all this will be over, and you'll have plenty. And the officer said, I mean, that was a prophetic directive, right? The officer said, if God opened heaven and poured out a, a, from heaven, it couldn't happen. He had a, He had doubt in his heart. His attitude, the way... He felt in his heart determined what he could see or not see. And he couldn't see it because of what was in his heart. You got it? Everybody got it? Look at your neighbor and say, did you get it? I think I got it. Did you get it? I think I got it. So that's how we're going to build on this. We're going to look at some attitudes that are visionary blindfolds in our life. And if you have your Bible, we're going to look at some of these and we're just going to walk through and I'm going to have to walk with you in some because I I want to look at the uh, greater context in them. I've just got little notes. And the first one I see that, and there's, uh, and again, they're pretty tough. But we've got to, we've got to guard our heart from these things that will blind us to the prophetic revelation. The first one is rebellious attitudes. Rebellious attitudes in our heart restrict the capacity of God to speak to us and give us prophetic declaration and, and direction. Ezekiel 12, 2. Here's what it says. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes to see, but does not see. I'm going to read it again. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see. How many of you know the Bible says God resists the rebellious and the proud? He re- rebellion. He, 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 he can't honor it. And so, uh, it, in fact, uh, Samuel, I think it's Samuel, says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And if we've got rebellion in our hearts against God or believers or, or leaders or our, our family, it's going to seriously blind us to God's directive in our life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so it's a visionary blindfold. That's why we need to raise our kids. Listen, we need to raise our kids with humble hearts of submission to God. 
and to the authority of God. And if you see, and let me, let me just ask you, how many of you know all of us got a rebellious thread up our, up our spine? All right. You, you got, how many of you, all of us? Listen. This is huge. And I, and this is not, I mean, it begins, Josh, you've been raising kids now. How many of you know this thing crops up and you got to figure, how do I deal with these young kids? that will quickly grow up to be teenagers. And OMG, once they're teenagers, and if they got a rebellious streak, I tell, I tell teenagers, I tell, I tell, you know, when I, when I used to be in youth, I, I used to be in youth ministry, and I would say to teenagers about rebellion, listen, if you don't submit to God and your parents, you're still going to have to submit to somebody. You're still going to have to submit to your teachers at school. If you don't submit to your teachers at school, you're going to have to submit to the principal. And if you don't submit to the principal, you may have to submit to the peace officer, the police officer. If you don't submit to the police officer, you may submit, have, you're going to have to submit to the judge. And if you don't submit to the judge, you may have to submit to the jailer. And if you don't submit to the jailer, you may have to submit to the warden. And if you don't submit to the warden, you may have to submit, and it just keeps on going. But at some point in your life, or certainly in your death, you will have to bow your knee. Before the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So at some point, that rebellious streak will be dealt with in all of our lives and our children and as parents and even in our own lives. If, if we don't deal with that and submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Look, look, look what, God, there's just so much reality to this. What does the scripture say? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, victory over the enemy, victory over the devil, uh, and every spiritual blessing, if rebellion is there, if there's a rebellious streak in us, it just throws up this huge roadblock. It throws up this huge blinder in our life. How many of you know people? Ooh, man. How many of you know adults that just, they don't understand one thing about Submission to authority. Wow. Man. I'm telling you, it's all over it. Jesus submitted to authority even on earth. It's a, it's a huge lesson of life. This submission to authority. In fact, it, it's just everywhere. It's throughout Scripture. And what was it about the... You know where the original sin was committed, Right? In the Garden of Eden? No, it was committed in heaven. What did Lucifer do? He rebelled against the authority of God. So, amen. So, visionary blindfold, rebellious attitudes. If you want your kids, and I, I'll kind of aim it that way, uh, you know, you, you need vision for the future. We've got to stay submitted to the authority of God in our lives. Amen. So, that's huge. Uh, my dad, <laughs> uh, you know, there's different, differing, differing opinions about discipline, but 
My dad only knew one, knew one way. He'd pull that belt off, man. And uh, man, he'd, and you know what? He, he taught me how to submit to authority. He knew more than I ever dreamed about. And in my latter years, I understood. I may never get to the seven, but let me hammer this home for a second. I got another Wednesday night. We can go as long as we want, can't we, Carmen? All right. When I was in junior high, you may have heard this story. I was in junior high. Boy, that's when the rebellion, and I was, I thought I was a pretty good kid. I was in junior high. I was in Miss Pruitt's English class. And Miss Pruitt, uh, uh, was an interesting lady. And, uh, I had a friend next to me named Robert Stennett who later became one of the biggest dope dealers in Ellis County where I grew up. And that leads me to another story which I won't tell you about a whole lot of marijuana I saw in one place. Scared the wajibis out of me. Uh, I'm talking about a, 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 back when they'd throw you in jail for a few little bits. I walked into his trailer and the entire trailer was packed full of marijuana. And I'm in there. I'm going, they're going to send me to prison for the rest of my natural life. Robert Stinnett, in his early years, before he became a dope dealer, threw me, pitched me over onto my desk, a big, huge rubber band, which is about this wide and about that long. I thought that's pretty awesome. And in a moment, uh, I, I just pitched it back. It was close from here to me and Donnie. I did not shoot a rubber band. I just merely pitched a rubber band. And Miss Pruitt saw that and she said, uh, Sam Walker, write me 50 sentences that says I will not shoot rubber bands in clans. And I said, Miss Pruitt, I didn't shoot a rubber band. I just pitched it back. And she, she said, 50 sentences. And so I knew I didn't shoot rubber band in class. So long story short, I didn't write the sentences. Every day they doubled. And by the time it got to about 5,000 or so, uh, my mother who worked at the, in the office got wind of it. And uh, I got home to my dad, and my dad said, uh, uh, why didn't you write the sentences? I explained to him. And he said, well, I'm going to whip you. He wore me out. And I said, but I didn't write, write sentences. I didn't, I, I, I'm not writing sentences because uh, I, I didn't shoot rubber bands in class. He said, son, I'm not whipping you because you did or did not write shoot rubber bands in class. I'm whipping you because you did not obey your teacher. Revelation. What was my dad teaching me? Authority. Teaching me to obey authority. And man, you know what? I pretty much think I got this. It's been tested a few times. But I pretty much think I got it. I could tell you more stories. I'll quit telling stories. But let me tell you something. Rebellion hinders the vision of God in your life for the future. So uh, I know I'm probably the only one that had to deal with it. So that just, you tell your, all your rebellious friends out there about this visionary blindfold. Okay. Are you with me? Say amen. And then these are all kind of interconnected uh, attitudinally, but I'll, I'll define them 
for your sake. Number two, another visionary blindfold in scripture is disobedient attitudes. Turn to Deuteronomy 28. We're going to look at this. If you hadn't, if you hadn't meditated on Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to give you some homework. You need to take Deuteronomy 28 and meditate on this because there's a bunch of good stuff in Deuteronomy 28. In fact, we know it's the obey or disobey kind of blessings and curses. Everyone say blessings and curses. It's blessings on obedience and curses on disobedience. So it's huge. And so, man, I I love the first part, but nobody likes to read the curses part, uh, the disobedient part. But I want you to, and and if we had time, we would. But, you know, you go down to the first 14 verses are all about blessings on obedience. Uh, And so when you obey God, there's great blessing. When you disobey, there's great cursing and, 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 and blindness that comes to our life. In fact, look down in verse 20, uh, I believe it's verse 29. Here we go all the way down and ver- let's start in verse 28. And the Lord, the, uh, the Lord will strike you. This is because of disobedience. Uh, and the Lord will strike you with madness. Everybody go, ah! Have you ever seen any of those people go crazy? They'll strike you with madness and what? Blindness and confusion. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall be only oppressed and plundered continually. And no one shall save you. Now, whoo! That's stouter than nine acres of mowed garlic right there. Okay. Uh, and if you've ever had smelled nine acres of mowed garlic, that's stout. And he says, listen, this disobedient thing, if you don't deal with it, you're going to be blinded and you will not prosper. And so disobedient attitudes. And in fact, if there's anybody and disobedience is rebellion, uh, you know, uh, and, and so they're connected, but I wanted to define them a little bit and show you that verse, uh, that, rebellion and disobedience, uh, it will blind you to God's future and destiny for your life. Uh, and without that future and destiny, you're certainly going to perish. And then number three, and then, uh, certainly all interconnected, but for the sake of definition, another uh, uh, visionary blindfold is arrogant attitudes. Arrogance, pride. Turn over to Romans 11. Let me show you this. Romans 11. It's referencing the children of Israel. Romans chapter 11. You know, one thing that I don't like about using your phone or your iPad is you can't mark it down in your Bible. You can't, it's okay to scribble in your Bible, but man, I have marks in my Bible. This is all about Israel and how they, uh, they were arrogant. Look in, oh gosh, there's so much here. Look down in verse, uh, let's look at verse, hmm, Romans 11. Oh, I'm in Romans 10. That would help. Romans, Romans, uh, 11, 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Now, follow. look at this. Wise in your own opinion. That means self-sufficient, unneedful of God, and as a result, arrogant. Catch this. Lest you should be wise. He said, I don't... Uh, for I, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion 
that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fulfilling of the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, because they were self-sufficient and self, I don't need God, I can do it on my own, an arrogant attitude, and that's the way the children of Israel were. They were prideful and arrogant, uh, and they were always being, in fact, that's the reason they got into uh, into bondage, and that's the reason they stayed in the wilderness. They were prideful and arrogant. And he says, if you become wise in your own esti- estimation, it, uh, you become, there's a spiritual blindness that comes upon you. Are you with me? In fact, Revelation 3, you remember the, the, the church that Jesus, you know, the, the, the letters to the seven churches? The church in, I think it's Laodicea, let me look, uh, uh, Revelation 3, 14, look what he says, and the angel of the church in Laodicea, catch this, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you, or King James says, spew you out of my mouth because you say. Now, in other words, here's what has produced the lukewarmness in your heart. Because you say, I am rich, having become, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. In other words, I got it. I don't need you, God. And he says, you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor. Catch this, blind and naked. There's a spiritual blindness on you. Because you're arrogant and you don't think you need God. You don't think you need anything. You've lukewarm. You're spiritual. You, I blessed you and you just got your blessings and made you lukewarm. And you don't think you need God for anything. How many of you know most people pray more when they need something? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That our prayers are need-oriented rather than relationship-oriented. And this Laodicean church had an arrogance in their heart. And as a result, they said, don't you realize this? You think you just got it made. You think everything's okay. You arrogant church, you basically. Don't you realize that uh, that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Wow. Arrogant attitudes keep the keep the spiritual blinders on our hearts and in our eyes. Number four, the fourth visionary blindfold. And, and hopefully we'll, enter, we'll end a little more on a positive note here in a moment. But I, I'll just call it this, worldly attitudes. Look at Ephesians 4. Turn over there. I want you to see it. Turn over Ephesians 4. Everybody, let's go. Everybody, everybody. Uh, Ephesians 4, I started to see. What's that little everybody outside, everybody outside? What's that? Bubble guppies? Okay, it's not bubble Everybody outside, everybody in Ephesians, everybody in Ephesians. Look what it says here in verse 17. Follow me. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. Now catch what he's saying to these Ephesians, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their what? In the futility of their mind. Now, what are we, what did we talk about? Where are our attitudes? The way we think about things. He said, you shouldn't walk like the Gentiles walk. And the Gentiles basically were a reference to the worldly culture of their day. That's what we could define it in our day. Uh, it's not, you know, it's just 
in, in Paul's estimation, it's the Gentiles. They're, they're everybody else that's not a believer, okay? And the futility of their mind. Catch this. Having their understanding darkened. In other words, they're, they're the revelation of God and insight into their life. There's a darkness that comes upon them because they're walking with worldly attitudes and mindsets. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, on and on and on. But And so worldly attitudes, what do they do? The the the, these worldly mindsets that 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 uh, we tend to embrace. Listen, let me just stop and say, listen. If you're going to follow Jesus, you can't be in the. You're in the world, but not of the world. You can't think like the world. You can't act like the world. You can't go the way of the world. Uh, if you go the way of the world, if you think like the world and act like the world, listen. Uh, you can't find the prophetic directive for your life because. You're, you're, you're overwhelmed if, in the futility of your mind thinking, hey, uh, uh, I, I'm going to go this way. I can do this. And it's amazing to me how many world, and I don't even know if this is really a term, uh, actual worldly Christians. Is there really such a thing? I, I, I don't think so, but there are people who would call themselves believers, but they're living in the world and like the world and they are of the world. Worldly attitudes. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Let me show you this. Go back to the left. 2 Corinthians 4. 1 through 4. Therefore, since we've received this ministry, as we have received this ministry, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has what? Blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine upon them. So these worldly people, their eyes are blinded. And listen, if, if we live like the world and we, and, and we, and we go the way of the world, we're certainly not going to find the prophetic directive for our life living in a worldly manner. Amen. Somebody say amen. Alright, you still with me? Let's keep moving. I'm, we'll get these blinders dealt with, and then we'll move forward in the days ahead and and, and really uh, find some building blocks for uh, visionary directives in our life. Here we go. Doubting attitudes. Unbelieving attitudes. That's the second King 7 that I told you about. The officer. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't get a grip on it. And that he couldn't see it. He just couldn't get it in his mind. That ain't happening. And let me just say, <laughs> how on earth, uh, how many of you have ever, you, you know, you think, man, I want to do something dynamic for God. But oh yeah, I'm a nobody. I can't do this. You ever hear the story about the first, I don't know if it's the first, but I, I think it was the first uh, uh, paddle wheel, uh, paddle wheel, uh, river boat down the Mississippi River. You remember Mark Twain and the paddle wheel boat, bonk, 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 and co, and the paddle wheel. 
according to, uh, this may be legend, it may be true, I've just heard the story and I quote it, uh, while they were building this huge monstrous boat, and it was of course steam driven, there was a naysayer, a doubter. And every day he said, you'll never get that thing going. Took them probably years to build. You'll never get it every day. What are you doing? You'll never get it going. It'll never go. I don't know what you're doing. It'll never go. Just never just pouring doubt on. And then finally the day of the maiden voyage came. They fired up that big steam engine. (laughs) Guy sitting there, it'll never go. You'll never get it going. But lo and behold, it began to go. Slowly, began to pick up steam in front of his very eyes. And so what did he do? He ran, he ran down the bank shouting at the captain, you'll never get it stopped. You'll never get it stopped. He's just a doubter. And listen, doubting attitudes will hinder you from the vision and purpose of God for your life. We've got to understand that. Look what, let's go see what Jesus said in John 4. Go to John 4, 46 through 54. We may read a lot of scriptures tonight. Here we go. I'll, I'll move along here in a moment. John 4, what did I say? It's 46 through 54. Let's see what Jesus said. He said, so Jesus came again to Cana. This is what John said. Then we'll read a little red. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick of Caper- at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into, into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. He said, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, what was he saying? Really, it's opposite. If you believe, you'll see. They said, if we see, we believe. Well, faith is, I believe and then I will see. Are you with me? And so it said, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word and Jesus spoke to him, that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was now going down and his servants met him and told him, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he had got better. And they said to him yesterday at the evening, 11th hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he, he himself believed in the whole uh, household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So what was Jesus teaching this guy? He, and, and he listened. He said, listen, if you want the healing of God, you got to believe it and then you will see it. And so doubting attitudes keep us from the vision of God for our future. And sometimes God comes and speaks things and we look at our life and we just go, how could that ever be? That can't happen. I'm a and, and we doubting attitudes. Woo, I love it. We gotta get that we gotta get the blinders off. Everybody say, get the blinders off. Those doubting attitudes. And then here's here's one that might fit us a little bit. Uh probably not this crowd. Y'all are the select of the elect. Number six, negligent attitudes. 
Let me show you this in 2 Peter chapter 1. Take a right. 2 Peter chapter 1. Keep going until you get to 2 Peter. When you're at 2 Peter, say, I'm there, Pastor. I'll get there in a minute myself. I'm there. I got it. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Negligent attitudes. 2 Peter 1. It's a great study. I've gone through this in detail in times past. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Everyone say diligence. Now, he's telling us what to be diligent in. Okay? And he's going to tell us if we are diligent in these things, we will neither be... Look at verse 7, verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me go, and then I'll look at verse 9. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence. Everyone say diligent. In other words, don't be negligent here. All right? Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're diligent in these areas, you're going to be fruitful, you're going to be blessed uh, in the knowledge of God. Listen, that somebody say knowledge of God. Man, the knowing, the listen, in other words, revelation will abound in your life. But catch verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. In other words... If we are negligent in the things of God that I just described to you and others, and we lack these things. And listen, if we lack these things, it's no one else's fault but our own, right? Are you with me? Say amen. How many of spiritual growth is ultimately our responsibility? We have pastors and teachers and and, and people in our life that, and mentors in our life that hopefully we listen to and respond to because we're not rebellious and we're submitted hearts and we grow in spiritually. Everyone say we're called to grow. And so because we're called to grow, if we're growing and we're not negligent in growing spiritually, guess what? We're going to be fruitful. We're not going to be barren. We're going to be abounding in the knowledge and the revelation of God in our life. But if we are negligent in the things of God, we are going to be uh, uh, short-sighted even to blind. So negligent attitude. Eh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll pray later. I'll study my Bible later. I'll grow later. I'll sow my wild oats now and I'll come to Jesus later. I'm going to neglect. You know, what does Scripture says? We can't neglect so great a salvation. I don't remember where that is, but it just came to me. I remember. You can't neglect this. This, the, The sin of neglect is rampant in the church. We neglect so many things. The Fellowship of the saints, the spiritual Word of God in our life, so on and so forth. So negligent attitudes or spiritual blinders. And then finally, everybody go, whoo! Number seven is unloving attitudes. Go to 1 John. Unloving attitudes, 1 John. In fact, uh, uh, 
What was the first scripture I told you need to eat up and and oh Deuteronomy twenty eight? Here's a new testament, first John. Just read first John about fifteen times this week, and you'll get the love of God uh, 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 burning in your heart bright. Look in first John chapter two, verse ten and eleven. Look what he says. He who loves his brother abides in what? Light. How many of you know where light is, there's revelation? Right? He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for what? Stumbling in him. Remember what we talked, you know, you remember walking in the darkness? Remember blindfolded trying to drive your car? Remember, uh, in, in fact, uh, I've, I've, let me just go back to Second Peter. Uh, it's, I, I should have read you this. He who is short-sighted even to blindness, therefore, brethren, verse 10, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So the reason we stumble in life is because we don't, we're not living in the light. We don't have revelation in our heart. And so he said, he who abides, uh, he abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling. But he who hates his brother is where? In what? Darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Unloving attitudes. Listen, let me just say this. Unloving attitudes a lot of times deal with unforgiveness in our heart. That's why the first part of 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to us to forgive us our confession. Listen, we got to be right with God and right with one another. We got to love people. We got to have a love feast. How many of you know there's some unlovely people in the world? People that are hard to love, right? Not everybody's easy to love. In fact, you know the, all those people that are, are not easy to love that are that are you know rude, crude, socially unfitable, that are ugly to you. God bless them. They just don't know better. Know any better? They need Jesus in their heart, right? They need somebody to love them when nobody else will. And so, so the, the reality is unloving attitudes blind us from the vision of God for our life. And if we have no vision, we perish. Amen. Now, let me give you one important closing point to ponder that wraps it all up. Here it is. And this is, let me just tell you something. I got the first part of this probably from John Maxwell. And it was this, our attitude determines our altitude. And then he would say our altitude determines our destiny. But really, our attitude, that's what we've been talking about, determines our altitude. And our altitude provides vision. And that vision determines our destiny. Because when you gain some altitude, when you get up on a mountain, if you will, or from a pilot's standpoint, you get some altitude. You get vision. You see things from a whole different perspective. Now let me say this to you. You get your attitude right. It'll get you some altitude. When you get some altitude, you can begin to see things from a whole different perspective. 
Then you begin to realize, hey, I have a destiny here. I'm not just sitting here in the basement digging holes. God has a plan for my life. Are you with me? Say amen. That's something to ponder. That's something to think about. Where, how's my attitude? Are you sporting a tune tonight? <laughs> All of us do from time to time. How many, of you, how many of you have a hard time hanging around people who always have an attitude? Always got some burr, some issue. I wonder what God feels like. <laughs> When we're sporting these toods all the time, and then we say, Speak to me, God, show me the will of God for my life. He said, Get rid of the tood, man. I can't give direction to that. But if you get your attitude right, in fact, let me give you a little pilot's license. I'm not a pilot, don't want to be a pilot. My father was killed as a private pilot. Uh, not that I'm scared of flying, I just nothing about me wants to be in charge. You've seen the you've seen the dashboard of the airplane, and there's there's a picture of the airplane, just kind of its wingspan, and then there's a straight line. Okay, you know what that instrument is called? Anybody know? It's called the attitude. And the pilot knows if he's going to fly straight, the attitude has to be right. So your attitude certainly does determine your altitude. And that from a pilot's perspective, if your attitude is out of whack, you're going to fly your plane right without a vision without a vision, you're going to perish. And our vision, capacity to see, is based upon how we think. Our attitude. Are you with me saying that? So there you go. It was a little tough. I know it was hard, but hey, we got, got if you're going to get vision, how, how silly would it be us to be to get three or four weeks down the pipe uh, and, and talk about building blocks of vision when we got these blinders that we got to deal with in our life. And so let's all be honest tonight. How many of you at least one or two of those blinders you went, you went, oopsie daisy. Okay. All right. I, everybody went oopsie daisy. I went oopsie daisy on a couple myself. So, uh, so we just get those blinders off because let me tell you something. You get the blinders off and, and you get the attitude right. God wants to give. He wants to give, provide you prophetic revelation for your life. Listen, sometimes it takes a while to get through all that gunk to get to the place where, where there's clarity of vision and light and revelation uh, uh, made manifest. Amen. So with that in mind, let's stand up together. and Let's ask God to help us get the blinders off our lives tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for the Word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for illustration and insight to prophetic revelation. Lord, help us find fresh focus and vision for our future. Lord, I pray for each one here, Lord, that You would stir in their heart a fresh uh, understanding and focus in their heart. And Lord, whatever blinders we may be dealing with, these attitudinal things in our heart, we pray, Lord, You'd forgive us, You'd help us, You'd guide us, You'd direct us. Lord, we, we ask You to take the blinders off, whatever it is, whether it's worldly attitudes or rebellious attitudes, disobedient, arrogance, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, we pray, God, You would uh, uh, take it off and You would forgive us and You would help us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...
Amen.